Welcome to the Christmas episode. The Christmas episode that has not started yet. So, okay, today, uh... <laughs> what is this intro? This is Ladies not a good one. on this fine 29th of October, <laughs> the 19th year of our Lord. <laughs> Whoa, dude, it's 2019 and the 29th. Numerology, man, we're probably gonna die. Whoa, so if you rearrange the letters... It's 2019, 2019. What? And That's well, not how anything works. <laughs> and no, it's not. Actually, factually untrue. And speaking <laughs> of things not working, how about that Husker team? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh my god. I oh. got one. I got a transition. <laughs> well done. <laughs> there was an opening, apparently. The show has begun. Um... <laughs> Yikes, man. I gotta pull up the stats. Let's look at the tail of the tape here, because it yes. was bad. It was bad. It was a bad time. But on stats, I did see one thing. I don't know if this is the right thing to lead with, but our backup quarterbacks and J.D. Spielman combined to make the highest completion percentage in a single game in Nebraska history at 89%. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. A lot of those passes didn't go anywhere. Nope, they didn't. So we lost 38-31, despite having a consistent offense, which we hadn't had since the second half of the Illinois game. Yeah, so, the, offense, the offense looked pretty good. I'm Bes- not mad at the offense. Yeah. I think we both said that after the game. Yeah. You know, besides the fumbles, which one with Vedral was a freak accident. Yeah. Where he, you know, where the play was blown up and... Happens, man. Yeah. He forgot how to football and threw yeah. it to the other team. That happens, especially when you put in backup quarterbacks, especially when you have, um, you know, snaps that have been questionable all year. But the snaps that were not there this game? No, no, no wild snaps. It was fairly good. But it's still, like, I think for the rest of the year, there's going to be a confidence question in mm-hmm. every single snap. That's one more thing to think about. And that's something you need to bear in mind when talking about these quarterbacks. Yes. And then the other fumble basically cost us a chance at getting back in it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing I'm like, okay, this was a failure on the offensive part was but the we, second fumble with Noah. We should not have had that problem. Because we should not have allowed Indiana to drop 38 on us. Nope. 38. <sighs> good Lord. And th- Their yards look pretty good, too. Well, yeah. Like, it wasn't even that we just, like, gave up. And the, it's not like they had to travel the length of the field to get those touchdowns. We set them up perfectly on, oh, like, God. three different drives. Oh, God. The punting. The punting was bad. The, the punting was dreadful. We, I, I, if you wanted to make the argument we lost this game on punting, I would not be mad at you. Really? No, because while our defense was porous and allowing Indiana to score... Nebraska had all these little opportunities that would have closed the game out completely. You know, if if on the play before the Vedral fumble in the second quarter, I believe, he looks across the middle and sees Cade Warner, there's a very likely touchdown there because he had nobody around him. That could have swung it to 21-9 in the second quarter. Instead, he fumbled it, parking Indiana at, their, at our eight-yard line and giving them the lead, the lead. That, that's a, a swing of about 14 points in, like, two seconds, you know? So, yeah. There, there are so many moments in this game. You could go back and mark them on a sheet of paper in which 
a good football team could close it. Even even a standard yes. run-of-the-mill Big Ten team can close this game out. Because we really did start pretty well. Yeah. And in the Big Ten, with most Big Ten defenses and most Big Ten offenses, that start, I don't know if it looks insurmountable, but it was more insurmountable than we made it. You yes. Know? You know? Ugh. And the start, uh, let me pour, pull up the scoring summary real quick so I can get a better idea of when these things happened. Right, I think we Okay, so we open up Vedral touchdown run in a drive that took us two minutes. Like two minutes, we went down the field. Some of the best our offenses looked this year. Yep. Then they go down, and we hold them to a field goal, and then we go and get a touchdown. Again, a two-minute drive. Five plays, 75 yards, a minute 48. We had two five-play, 75-yard drives in the first quarter. So we're thinking, you know, the defense hasn't played great so far, obviously allowing a 71-yard drive ending in a field goal for Indiana. But if this offense just keeps it up for one more drive, this is probably the game. But they didn't. As soon as, as, soon as they fumbled, they put themselves in that hole, and then they only started to dig themselves out of it when Luke McCaffrey came in and delivered one solid beginning-to-end drive and then the team failed to use that momentum, too. Yeah. Like, so many teams, I think, if they were given those two momentums, the number one being the back-to-back five-play 75-yard drives would go and get another one of those drives on the third. Or at least something similar, something that would end in not a fumble that sets them up with first and goal. And then if another team has a backup quarterback come in like two minutes before the half, and then drive them down the field and get a touchdown pass. So then if we get the ball with all that momentum heading into the half, the same quarterback who led that touchdown drive on only his second drive, the first drive where we actually allowed him to pass, and we didn't do it. We, we didn't do that again. We, we Instead, we, we get a field goal to tie it. You know? Yeah. Like a touchdown would have been huge in that game. But no, we stalled out and only got a field goal and then a tie game with this defense. It's hard to put confidence in it, you know? I have nothing to say. I am just angry. Yeah, I think everybody is angry. I, how did we get here? How, like, I, I think uh, the, the best thing that any sports journalist focused on the state of Nebraska could do right now is sit down... And it would require a lot of access, which I think is probably why we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And just write a piece that tries to understand how the flying... We ended up here. Because I, I can't... Last year, the whole trajectory yes. looked up. Oh, yeah. It really didn't look like we were going to be a worse team this year than we were last year. No. And yet I really do believe, at this point, if you played us... And I know that we started well last year. We did not start well last year. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, about? I mean, we finished well last year. Yes. We started well this year. I misspoke. Yes. <laughs> we finished well. I know that, like, that team improved with time, and this one seems to be deteriorating. Yes. But even on their best day, respectively, so far from what we've seen, I don't, I don't know. I really do think we probably are a worse team this year. Yeah. At least there hasn't been enough, been enough progress for me to say... Well and truly, we're headed in the right direction. At best, we're stagnant. Yeah. Which is concerning. <laughs> and, and we did lose 
some key players from last year to this year, but I don't think that Stanley Morgan, Ozigbo, and like Antonio Reed and Diedrich Young were that vitally important. I, I refuse to believe that's the only reason for the drop-off. I do think it explains some of it, but as we just discussed, the offense is fine with skilled players. You know, yeah. even without... Wondale has definitely replaced the kind of output that we needed. Yeah. From pretty much all the offensive players we lost. Yes, and there's an upside to that, which is that we have a super freshman who, like, I think almost any team in the country would, if they had him, they'd try to find a use for him, and he's only a freshman, you know? Yeah. I just knocked him wood a whole lot. Yeah. Because if he transfers, we're Oh, he, I don't think he's going to transfer, and, and I'll get to a reason why. But I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I'm just saying that if like, if I were him, my name would be in the transfer portal <laughs> right now. No, no. If he was on Alabama, I'm not saying he'd be their starting running back, but I'm saying they at least have a package or two with him in it. And I can't say that about any other player on our roster. So, the upside is that we have a guy like that. But the downside is, as you saw in our final drive to tie the game, the let's all give it to Wandale strategy is very predictable, especially when you need a touchdown on a drive mm-hmm. and the defense knows that, hey, we can just focus on this one guy and we'll probably keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, they'll move the ball, but they're not going to get in the end zone it, with this guy alone. It works on occasion. And I did see Faux Pellini on Twitter during the game was like, give ball to fast player, please. <laughs> uh, and I think that that is a really easy thing for Oscar fans to yell. But you're right. Like, at the end of the day, a defense is going to figure that out. And he's fast. But he also doesn't have the physicality to create a big... He can't throw guys off of him. He's no. small. And it's, it's not like a kind of Johnny Rogers thing where the sheer athleticism of him is going to get through man after man after man. You have to set the play up for Wandale, and he makes it happen. But he doesn't just... It doesn't spring from him as a player. He doesn't take decent decent blocks and turn them into great ones. It, exactly. Like on the screen pass in the first quarter, I believe, where he actually blocked for him, and he went 40 yards and, like, got us in the red zone. You know, that's what happens when you give him space to work. He's, he's not going to be the guy who will throw a, a defender off of him and then go around the blockers. He'll go around the blockers and then go around the defenders in open space. That's what we need to use him with. And I think... Trying to make him a bell cow and that, that is not, no. <laughs> that's not the that's correct not usage, yeah. but that's what we sort of have to do because we don't really have a better option for a bell cow despite, like Mills is okay, but I, I wasn't impressed with him. I can barely tell no. you how he played he's, in Indiana. He's one of the Mills, but, um, <laughs> I know, I'm sad too. McCaffrey outrushed him. Mills had 30 yards. Yeah. 30 yards on 8 carries. 8 carries? Oh, we gave him 8 times, and I don't remember a single one of them. I don't remember one. What, what was it? There were a couple times where he gave it to Mills near the goal line. Oh, and then, and then he... attempt to stuff it in, and it just didn't work. Didn't work, and then we just flopped with a Vedral, and he would get it, you know? A thing I'm happy Ooh, I about... I the table. Um, there was more... A little bit more... Um, production from... The receiving core. Yes. Slightly. Wandale had six catches for 71 yards. Spielman had five catches for 97 yards. Conovainoa had three catches for 52, which I think is better than average for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he had an amazing touchdown catch. End the half. So I'm, so I'm thinking, like, this dude's probably the player of the game. 
then he fumbled away our chances at the end. Their offensive line was kind of solid. Also, our defense has zero pass rush. We all well, we didn't send guys half the time. I, I have I don't want to get over my skis here, but I have and I realize I know nothing. Yeah. But I do have questions about some of the defensive play calling. There are moments I would like for a defensive coordinator to have to sit down and stand behind. Like fourth and seven. Try not to play your guys ten yards off the ball in the secondary. That almost invites a seven-yard completion. Almost. <laughs> it almost. does. It does. Justin, don't fuck with almost here. It does. <laughs> it does. Why did I even think almost? It does. You put your guys out. You protect the sticks. You know, if I were playing Madden. And, oh, my God. And, and, and it was a fourth and seven. I'd go, you know, Y button, you know, <laughs> right bumper up, protect the sticks. Yes. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> yes. When we... Or better Madden defensive coordinators yes. than this team. I get worried. I also yes. get worried because when there have been questions about that, Scott has said time and time again, this is absolutely, yeah, Brian Christopherson for 24-7, Frost strongly backs his coaches, quote, I believe in my guys. I don't, Scott, I've got some questions. And I don't yeah. know if that means firing at this point in the season, I, ah, God, I'd like to see, because that's public-facing action. Yeah. And at least a public-facing face, admission of guilt. And I'm hopeful that Moose or somebody or even Osborne can sit Frost down and be like, listen, even if you don't think one of, the, one of these guys is the problem, you've got to sack them. Because if you don't, you invite the blame directly to yourself. Yes. And then a, a word that uh, Sipple was writing about a lot in his column this week was apathy. Yes. Like the thought that we were getting used to this. I thought that was such a great yeah. um, summary of how Husker Nation feels right now. Yeah. Deep apathy. Yeah. And, and he was asking Moose about that. And like Moose said that, you know, if we don't, if we didn't fire Riley and hire Frost at that exact moment, we would have lost the sellout streak. And then Sipple's like, okay, he's worried about the sellout streak. You know, I get that, you know, Frost was the best option for the product on the field too. I do think that Moose cares about that a lot. But still, you know, fans are always going to show up to the games. And, and this was a message board conspiracy from like even the Bo Pelini years was that the administration doesn't care because butts are going to be in the seats no matter what and we're making money, you know, so that's why we're okay with nine and four every year. I, and I we, kind of buy that. Yeah, I, at the time I'm like, okay, no, no. Of course we care about winning, you know. This is the greatest traditional fan base, the greatest traditions in college football live here. You know, of course we want to win. But now, now it's been like 10 years since Bo was first started coaching here. You know, and now I'm, the fact that I'm not even surprised we lost to Indiana in a year that was supposed to be, you know, a better than the last. Like, a, like last year was our, you know, lay the foundation down. And this year's where we start to build and starting to build in any rebuild involves beating teams regularly, teams that you should be beating them. And I do believe that Indiana is one of those teams, despite them having a decent season so far. They're a team that when they come to Lincoln, we should be competitive and win the game against. You know, I don't think this, 
this program was apathetic during the Pelini era because it looked like we were, you know, showing faith in our guy and that, you know, one day, you know, 9 and 4 will eventually turn into 10 and 2 and we'll get somewhere. You know, I, I thought that was the mentality that they had and I thought that that would get us somewhere. But now we're cool with losing to Indiana in a year where the way the schedule is set up, Indiana was not a team that should have posed any threat to us unless, you know, they somehow became like an 8-0 super team, which they weren't. They're 5-2 with no extremely impressive wins that would make me go, oh, this team's scary. No, they've eked out some games against the bottom dwellers, which I would like to believe we are above, you know? Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Like, I, yeah, because we've got fellow bottom dweller Purdue next week, and like, ugh. We're going to lose to them. I, I, I don't want to, like, get in the predictions game. But no. But, like, there's, there's, there's a fairly good chance we lose to Purdue, and I there hate is. that fact. Yeah, but it's so, true. so you did mention, like, okay, why wouldn't Wandale transfer his, talent, his talents being wasted here? So after the game, you know, the, the whole buzzword from this year has been building the culture and whatnot. So after the game... Yeah, I do have questions about what that means, you know. <laughs> it's so, yeah, because yeah, Frost said, and it, did you see, he was getting dragged on Twitter for this. He was talking about, like, this team and how they haven't, like, bought into this yet. And he's like, and, like, the players who, like, he's not going to name names, but he's saying things they do and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, there, there are guys before the Minnesota game, you know, with the hoodie on, you know. You're, you're not hyped up enough, you know, you need a hoodie. You need a hoodie to protect yourself. He says while wearing a hoodie indoors, which is nowhere near the Minnesota cold. You know, that's that's what Frost wants to be. If that's if that's the culture he wants to build, I can kind of see why guys haven't bought into that yet. And I'm and I'm not a guy who's like, oh, any tough coaching's bad coaching, you know. And I'm not a guy who's like, oh, the coaches should be allowed to tackle them and beat up their faces with their iron fists. No, I'm like, if you want to say, I want tough players on my team. I want players who are going to tough it out in the elements. If you want to, like, practice without hoodies in the cold to get ready for Minnesota, you know, stuff like that I'd be fine with. But, like, calling out specific players for doing something that, that you're doing right now indoors, you know. I oh, no, Justin's on Reddit. I just looked at your computer and realized you're on r slash Huskers. That's where I found this one DL quote before, and I can't find it now. Okay, so basically... Uh, it. So, and, and then I saw the Frost thing, and I was trying to make heads and tails of that. <laughs> Which I had, like, I was going to mention it, but I did not have a whole spiel prepared, like I kind of did for the Wandale thing. Mm-hmm. I love preparation. So, so Wandale basically said that, you know, there are players who have not bought into this culture. So Wandale obviously sort of believes in what Frost is telling him. As we saw during the Bo Pelini years, no matter what a coach says, the players... If they believe in it, they will believe in it. The game after Pelini was fired, the bowl game against USC that year, players were had like tributes to Bo Pelini wristbands and stuff, despite Bo Pelini's whole us versus them sort of seeming almost ridiculous when you were consistently a 9-4 and four team that had no big, impressive wins. Mm-hmm. From a fan's perspective, it seems reasonable that the administration and stuff and the entire country at large would have doubts about this program taking the next step. But Bo was all in on the players and that 
they don't care about us. It's us versus them. They're never going to believe in us. They have this whole vendetta against us, and that's in the state. That's with the newspapers. That's with it. And the players bought into that. So Frost wants to have the, we're going to out-tough everybody. I'm an old-school guy. <clears throat> and Wandale believes in that. Wandale's going to stick around for as long as Frost is here. And Frost, after the game, praised the freshman for the leadership. So if this, so if, yeah, which is very concerning when he's not winning over the older players, basically. Mo Berry is the only guy, I think maybe some linemen have said this too. I don't remember their names, unfortunately. But Mo... <coughs> Which this is says, the most lineman statement ever. Which says worlds about our own line. I don't know if that says anything about our own line. I think that says something about, like, playing on the offensive line. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. So, yeah. And, and Barry was also a guy that's like, oh, there's players who haven't bought in yet. And, like, Barry has not been as good as he was last year. And we're dropping him in coverage more. And that is the opposite of his strong suit exactly. In the first two drives, he was, like, hitting guys, you know? And we both said to each other in our stands, we're going to force a fumble if these guys hit like this. But they lost the intensity hitting, and we would drop our hitters into coverage and just rush three, and there were holes across the middle. There were gaps in the coverage. I didn't get anything we're doing on defense. But all of that being said, it shows that if you want any optimism for the future, it's that these this freshman class, you know, the real – guys who were like solely courted by Frost. Last year, there were some guys who were started by Riley and then continued with Frost. Like these are the biggest preview of what we're gonna see with Frost in recruiting is this class and they're believing in him. Yep. Should we, ta- should we talk about the beef? Oh! Or is there enough there? Cause I kind of went off on yeah, my own let's, things. Yeah, let's briefly address the beef so we don't sound like we don't know about the beef because the beef is the beef and the beef is there and we should be covering the and beef. And we're the beef state. Yes, we are the beef state. Ooh, you are beef is for dinner. Sorry. Here in Nebraska. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let me pull up the Journal Star article. And and here's something that might provide context, even though it came out after the game. Another thing Frost was getting dragged for was it came out that he sort of compl- filed a complaint with the Big Ten offices that we don't play Indiana enough and that we play Ohio State six times in a row. <sighs> Oh, is that why that that could be the start? Uh, okay, of it. well then, okay. If you haven't heard about this, Indiana officials said on Saturday, I think after the game they waited to say till after the game, yeah, that uh, they didn't believe we had enough respect for their program, and that the guys on the field didn't, that the fans didn't, and particularly the coaching staff had made it clear that they didn't respect Indiana. So. They basically, like, like the press asks Scott about it, and Scott's like, well, I wouldn't know too much about that. I'm Scott Frost. And, uh. and so, and you I know, know. nothing about And that was kind of the end of it. Yes. Um, it was, which is why I didn't think it was probably worth talking about or speculating. I think part of it might have had to, I think they were probably had their panties in a twist because we booed their injured players. Some of them who were not, not that not. injured. Some of whom, it turns out, one of the guys who went down three times was the oh. coach's son and was pretty injured. Oh, he was actually injured? Yeah, he'll that never... 44? Who, who would go down, like, mid-lineup? I don't know if it was 44. I think it might have been 44. I learned from one of the professors here in class. And I, never, I haven't read anything about this, but okay. one of my professors told me that he now has a shoulder injury that puts him out for the year and means he might not actually be able okay, to lift his all, arm over his head for the rest of his life. They were all holding their knees, though, okay? 
Yeah, I think that that might be the kind of thing you get taught to do when you fall. Oh, okay. A, sol- a shoulder injury doesn't make you fall over. So maybe to make it clear that you're in trouble, you grab the knee. This is the thing that's in soccer. Mm. Um, you are you are actually supposed to lie down if you have an injury to like a shoulder or to the torso that normally wouldn't hobble you, but that you need medical attention for. You lie down, and maybe it's just you grab that knee so that there's something propped in the air so that medical staff can see you, and it makes it a little bit more obvious what's mm. going on. I, that's a possibility. I don't that, know. That, that could be it. It's definitely a thing in soccer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, well, I do, I do actually agree with what Scott Frost said, even though I know he probably didn't mean it in the way I agree with it. <laughs> it's just the... Like, because we've played Indiana twice since we've been in the Big Ten, and they're not, we're not going to face them again until, like, 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to play them three times in 10 years, and yet we get six years straight of Ohio State. And that's not to say that, like, oh, I only hate playing Ohio State so much because we always get beat by them. No, I, it's always, a f- like, a fun atmosphere to just watch us try to convince ourselves to believe we can beat Ohio State. I Even mean, this year. Yeah. A year in which we probably knew we couldn't. Yeah. Even this year, the whole hype around them coming to town, guarding game day and all that. No. Right. <laughs> this team hosted a game day. And it's not that it's it's not that I think we disrespect Indiana. It's more like well, we don't seem well, to... We've, well, we've, well, we've kind of, you know, on this very podcast have said this is a team we should normally beat. I don't know that that's disrespectful. I don't know that, that that's, you know, I think that saying if, if, if Indiana... I can't believe we got bogged down this far into the beef. If Indiana <laughs> is really so convinced that they are a better capital P program than us, then fine. You know, I guess you can be pissy. But I really don't think that's true. For us to say we need more Indiana-like teams on the schedule and less Ohio State-like teams, you could swap this with... I mean, there are a lot of... We don't seem to play uh, Rutgers as much as I'd like to play Rutgers. I yeah. wish we could play Rutgers every week. I wish mm-hmm. we never had to play, uh, you know, Ohio State or Michigan yeah. or Michigan State or uh, Wisconsin. And I wish I wish Iowa was the hardest game on our schedule every year. Yeah. It's not how it works, but I'm glad that Scott is saying, hey, you know, this is... Justin keeps slowly turning turning my dial down. I'm sorry. Uh, that's simply not how it should work, but like... yeah. You know, I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to see more of the conference more often. The reason that Frost is probably complaining is that, is what people are speculating is that, oh, we can't beat these teams. And I'm just like, it gets kind of boring, even if these are fun games. I like, you know, we're in a conference with 14 teams. There are seven teams from the other division. We play three of them every year. We should at least see one team like once every two years or, or three years, you know, something like that. There should be no reason for these ridiculous gaps like we've had with Indiana. But while we have a team in Ohio State who, while it's a fun fun game for us and fun game for them because they always kill us, you know, it's not something that we have as much tradition with where I can say, oh, this is a rivalry that needs to be played. I'd be cool with not playing Ohio State one year, and that's not just because they would cream us. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have, have we exhausted everything we can get out of this from... I think we have. Yeah, I think so. I think it is now time Should we pl- to stop talking about the college football that's happening in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, and to start talking about the college football that's happening across the nation. Yes, college football is back. 
it is back because a couple weeks ago I lamented that nothing's happened this year. The big teams are big. The rich are getting richer. What's the point? It's going to be Bama. It's going to be Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma, and maybe even Georgia, you know, but no, Georgia's lost. To be fair, you did just name four out of the top, three out of the top four, and four out of the top five. But now it's interesting with them. It is interesting with them. Georgia's lost and Oklahoma's lost games that we did not even imagine them losing. So now the playoff picture looks like this. I'm going to write something for my website. I'm going to launch this week about this where I go over because there are like, because 538 has this college football predictor thing. Mm-hmm. Where you can see it's a beaut. It's a, be- it's a true it's a beauty. beauty. The, my only complaints are that, I, A, I cannot make Clemson lose to Wofford and see what would happen because it thinks it's so unrealistic, and it only goes one week at a time. So if I wanted to make an ultra-chaos thing, I couldn't do it. I need to take this one step at a time, which is actually good because it gives me content to write about every week on my website, which I, w- I will probably launch tomorrow. So, you know, <laughs> so right now, the playoff picture, it's going to be the winner of LSU Bama likely gets in regardless, unless they lose the conference championship game, and, and that would be total chaos. But Because who's on the other side of the conference? So the LSU-Bama winner, is unless it's Bama and they lose to Auburn, the LSU-Bama winner is likely going to play the Florida-Georgia winner. So, Dude, which is also this weekend. Yes, which is this weekend. What time are these games? Okay, uh, Bama LSU is next weekend. They only just say that because it's the next opponent they actually play. Oh, crap. Yeah. Damn it. I was super excited. But next weekend's absolutely loaded because you've got two confirmed undefeated versus undefeated matchups. You've got Bama LSU at 230. And then Penn State and... Minnesota. Which is is our house. Yeah. Uh, That's our... This is a a family matter for the Huskers. Yes. Damn. Okay, this is going to be fun. When's our game? Uh, our game next week is at, like, noon. And then our game in the Bama LCU week, we don't have one. It's a bye week. Hell yes! yes! Right now, given that I believe that almost anything can happen based off what I've seen with Georgia and Oklahoma, there are 13 teams right now who I can say are kind of contenders, oh given God. that if they... Gonna, I'm going to red team this, because you are going to scrape the bottom of the barrel here. G- g- given that if they win out, their playoff percentage is over 50%. You know, this... Okay, so here is where I'm going to say there's about, honestly, eight realistic shots at this right now, and then, unless some teams seriously surprise me, because some of these teams are going to play each other and knock each other out, but right now, my 13 contenders are, I will have a very somewhat detailed article about this dropping later this week. I am plugging like an outlet here. So the teams I think have still are alive, are alive. Not saying it'll happen. They're alive. LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, Florida. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Penn State. They are undefeated right now. Oh. And they, they play Minnesota, which will be a tough game. Yes. They'll probably win. And then they also play Ohio State, and I think that game likely decides the Big Ten's playoff representative, unless it's a super close loss, and that, I think we can get two teams in. No, If, no. if the Not cards fell right. In which so much of the SEC has clearly been so good. It has, 
But Al- no, I'm stop talking out of your butt. This is ridiculous. Al- okay, I think the loser of the LSU Bama game also has a shot too. Yeah. So that's probably fair. I think that they're the ones with a shot and not the loser of. Think about college football politics. Yeah. Getting two Big Ten teams in and leaving out what? That leaves that completely leaves the Pac-12 out. Yeah. So but, Oregon doesn't even have a prayer anymore. Okay, but let's say that whoever wins Bama LSU loses to Georgia in the SEC title game. And so Georgia's obviously in the playoffs, but they've lost to South Carolina. And then that means whichever team, you know, lost to Georgia, lost to a team that lost to South Carolina. So that doesn't make it that quality of a loss. South Carolina should be in the playoffs. They should be. I think that's what we've And you know who's... You know who has South Carolina on their schedule is Appalachian State, who is undefeated with... (gasps) Oh my god, oh my god, put Appalachian They are going to be this year's UCF in my mind, because if they beat South Carolina, they will have wins over North and South Carolina, and North Carolina should have beat Clemson, and South Carolina did beat Georgia, and South Carolina also has a shot against Clemson. This is so, so. sad. Even if you, on this website, which you should totally check out, yeah. even if you click win out for them, it still gives them a less than 1% chance of making the playoff. Yep. <laughs> Which I feel like even for UCF was not true. They probably gave them like a 5% chance. Yeah. Like if I set uh, the other undefeated group of five team, SMU, where are you, little Mustang? Oh, they're up. Yeah. Yeah, they they get 4%. Six. Oh, I must have something else on. You you do. Okay. So, yeah. So. What if Cincinnati wins out? 2%. No. Ooh. What if Notre Dame wins out? No. No, Notre Dame is out. out. I know, I'm just clicking right now. So, you know, so, so, so the Big Ten could get a back gate to two teams in, and so could the SEC, because the Pac-12 was considered to not get a team in ever since their bell cow Oregon lost week one. They were like, oh, it's a weak mm-hmm. conference. But now Oregon's got a serious shot at one loss, being ranked above the Oklahoma team that we all assumed was a lock, who just lost to K-State. So now I think Oregon, if they went out, They'd get in over Oklahoma even, so the Pac-12 has a chance. But then again, no one can predict anything that happens in the Pac-12 because it's the Pac-12. Up for those games. Yes. So if chaos in the Pac-12 happens, who knows? Who knows? This is so exciting. I love it so much. I just want you to know that if, if, um, if Ohio State loses to Maryland, they still have a 35% chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> You know <laughs> who has a greater than 50% chance at making the playoffs if they win out? And this is the last, the lowest team that is considered a contender due to my formula. Utah? No. Florida? Wake Forest. What? They are a one-loss ACC team. And if they, they have to beat Clemson? They would have to beat Clemson. But then have a 77% chance to make the play. Oh, no. They wouldn't put them in the playoff if they won the no, they wouldn't. They they definitely choose a one-loss non-conference champion SEC or Big Ten team over Wake Forest. We yeah, we just laugh at Clemson until the end of forever. Yes. So, well, it, actually, if, even if they lose to Wake Forest, Clemson still has a ten percent chance to make the playoffs and a four percent chance to win the national title. How can you set them up to lose to Wake Forest? How are you doing this? Hit Wake Forest win out. Oh, wow. I am not that smart. So, 
So, so thankfully, this season is coming back to me, so I don't have to care about Nebraska football and can just work out playoff flowcharts until the end of time. If I make you pick a four right now, today, as it stands. Right now. Is this how I think it will end up? How you think it will end up? How I think it will end up, or how I think it should end up, or how I think the committee will ultimately pick it if it ends up. I'm saying... Who are the four people who are or four teams who are going to be announced at the end if you have to pick today? Oh, if I had to put money on it, I would say the winner of the LSU Alabama game gets the one seed. Who's that? If, oh, shoot, I don't know if two is going to be healthy, so I'm going to say LSU because they do play Bama better on the road than they do at home, and it is at Bama this year. I do think LSU with their new offense. They've both got a bye week going in? Or no. Just... Yeah, they've got a... Both of them have a bye week this what? week. And then... Oh, this is going to be oh, the yeah. best game of the year. Oh, yeah. I'm... We have to clear the schedule, kids. <laughs> clear the schedule. That's beautiful. Okay. So I say they get number one and number two seed. I'd say it goes to whoever will win Ohio State, Penn State, which I think will be Ohio State. They, they look next level this year. And... This is not going to be the number three seed because I will reveal that later. But the the team I think gets in also is Clemson because I do not see the, a loss on their schedule. Nope. And no undefeated Power 5 teams getting left out. And Kansas State is a really bad loss for Oklahoma. Oh, okay, okay. So, 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 so if they win out, Oklahoma wins out, I do think that they will get the Ohio State treatment from a couple years ago and be like, can you be like, you guys had a really bad loss, even if you are a one-loss conference champ. And the Pac-12 and Oregon, Oregon, the committee does forgive earlier losses, and Oregon did did lose close week one. To a really quality team. Yes. Oh, what so, is Auburn's record now? They have like two losses, I think. But in the SEC. Yeah. That's solid. Mm-hmm. So if Oregon wins out, I do think they get in. But however, I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to mentally bet that the Pac-12 is not going to screw Oregon over. So I think that the third team in the playoff, the team I have not mentioned yet, will be Alabama, who will lose to LSU. I, I think it, we will see LSU versus Clemson as one and four. Sides of the conference? No, they they're in the same division. So. So, but what about what if hypothetically George I, is a one-loss team? Yes. So if they win out. Well, thankfully, I have a scenario for this in my article. Okay. So. If Georgia wins out, I say the uh, top seed goes to Ohio State because if they beat Penn State, mm-hmm. Georgia will get the number two seed because they would have redeemed themselves enough. Clemson gets number three because I don't see them losing. And then and then I think the committee would give Oregon the bone if they would win out at number four. Um, so you're saying that... what That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Because, like... <sighs> Like, like, let's just say LSU and Alabama. LSU wins out. They beat Georgia in a conference title game. Let's say Alabama only lost to them by, like, three. So LSU has proven themselves, toughest schedule, to be the top team in the country. No one's going to question that. And then when you start looking at the one-loss teams, you know, who has the best resume? And then you, you got to think Alabama would be there. You know, mm-hmm. given that they would have the top team closer than almost anybody else has. And plus they're Alabama. They have pole inertia. You know, they're yeah. they're the brand, you know. Yeah. So I know the committee says they avoid things like that, but I also know that nobody believes that. So 
That's why if LSU wins out and Bama keeps it close, I think they've got a shot. But if it's either a big, if LSU wins by like 14, I think Bama's out regardless. Mm -hmm. And if Georgia beats LSU and Bama's a loser, then I think the transitive property of South Carolina keeps keeps Alabama out of the playoff. I think that's why they'd go to Oregon. Unless Oregon loses, and then then if Oregon loses again. Who who's left on their schedule? Oh, USC. USC, which is a possibility. Yeah, which no one, I cannot predict what USC will do any given week. And then the Pac-12 championship game against a one-loss Utah team. So Utah team does have a loss to USC, and USC is, again, a very unpredictable team week to week. Right. So I don't think, so I think USC will probably be looked at as similar to, like, a, a K-State loss. So I am, I am like, loving hypothetical fairyland playoff world. So, you know, in this case where Georgia wins out, you also have to look at the OSU Penn State loser if it's a close game. And moving on, because I will could literally go on. Yeah, first. we got to talk about something else. Speaking of the NCAA, which we have been doing all day, is that the next block? Yes. Yes. Oh my God! Today's the day. Justin, read us part of the announcement. In the association's continuing effort to support college athletes, the NCAA's top governing board voted unanimously to per- to permit student athletes participating in athletics the opportunity to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness in a manner consistent with the collegiate model. The Board of Governors' action directs each of the NCAA's three divisions to immediately consider updates to relevant bylaws and policies for the 21st century, said Michael V. Drake, chair of the board and president of THE Ohio State University. I hate that they call themselves the Ohio State University, but other than that, this is an incredible day. Yes. This is kind of, this is, I mean, it's it's a step to paying the players. It is. But more important than that. It's a step to the football video game. It's a step back to the NCAA. <laughs> Wait, it's more than the football video game. It's a basketball one, too. Oh, yeah. The basketball game, that is an underrated game. Yeah. You know, I, you know, the only reason I play 2K is because they stopped making the old basketball video game. They used to yeah. be all I'd play. I know. And like, ugh, um, just March Madness in video game form. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though I should, the board did say modernization of these rules is what's being considered of these bylaws. Here's what they mean by modernization. So let, choose to interpret these how you wish. Here are their caveats, so to speak. Assure student athletes are treated similarly to non-athlete students unless a compelling reason exists to differentiate, which I do think you could make a compelling reason. Uh, The second one, maintain the priorities of education and the collegiate experience to provide opportunities for student athlete success. So basically make sure they show up to class, which is what they're doing, which is what the NCAA says they're doing anyways. And we all know they're kind of not doing that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a non-factor. Ensure rules are transparent, focused, and enforceable to and facilitate fair and balanced competition. Uh, as the competition is not exactly fair in any college sport, so I don't think that's going to hinder this too much. Make clear the distinction between collegiate and professional opportunities. That's where things could get muddy. Make it clear that compensation for athletics. Here's the big one. Make clear that compensation for athletics performance or participation is impermissible. I'm sorry, repeat that. Make clear that compensation for athletics performance or participation is impermissible. 
reaffirm that student athletes are students first and not employees of the university, and protect the recruiting environment and prohibit inducements to select, remain at, or transfer to a specific institution. So with all of what I've said, what's your reaction to it? It's better than if it hadn't happened. Exactly. It's better than I think we probably expected. <laughs> exactly. This plus the whole California motion mm -hmm. probably helps the inertia flip in the favor of what is right and just. Um, uh, yeah. So this hasn't passed yet. They're considering this. Yeah, they're starting the process of making... Like the proposal, which okay. will starting the process of making the proposal of yeah. So there's a lot of ways in this could th this could not go into effect. Yes, there are a lot of ways. Uh, but they are immediately looking into it, and then they will continue to gather feedback through April on how to respond to the all the legislation that the states are doing, and then you know they'll refine it and try to get these rules to start. To, like get the rules the amendments done and it will start at january 2021 is what they're aiming for to put all of this into place so the people in charge are gotta get cooking on how to figure out how they're going to do all of that while allowing players to make money off of their image so it's going to be fascinating to see and it's fascinating that the ncaa just admitted that we're going to look into this after years of just cracking down on the littlest things that athletes have been doing that are even remotely related to something like this, the door is opened. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously it's a wait and see. Yes. There's no uh, certainty as to what's going to happen next, but I think it's, it's, it's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I think this sets up the inevitable being that this will happen. The NCAA has shown that it's no longer got its shoes in concrete, you know, that it's willing to move from this position they've had so long that any money that these guys are getting is bad. They are moving away from that and being some money is bad. <laughs> and they're not even at that step yet. They're, they're at some money is not bad, only if the money passes our inspection, you know? Mm-hmm. We will probably cover this as it develops, I would think, mm -hmm. um, especially because it's a fairly long time scale. And I'm glad it doesn't start until 2021 mm -hmm. because we might actually be able to be a decent team yeah, for our player rankings in 2022. <laughs> so these next recruiting classes matter a lot more to me because it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on how much fun I'm going to have playing as Nebraska in the yeah, video game. Yeah, exactly. Now everything's business again. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's pretty much a podcast. I think we want to do one final short fun block. Oh, yes. Well, it snowed yesterday. It snowed here and, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, as Nick is thinking right now, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, which it's not. And I will oh explain that after Nick explains why it is Christmas. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a very easy way. Um, there are actually two separate very easy ways to tell whether it is Christmas where you live. Christmas is not a time of year. I want to make this absolutely clear. Christmas is not a set time of year. It is a state of mind that you are allowed to enter after an event 
happens in temperate parts of the United States, in temperate parts of the world that celebrate Christmas, in which there is the possibility for snowfall, Christmas begins after the first snow, unless the first snow comes after the 15th day of the month of November. If you live in a part of the world in which Christmas is more of a, like, you know, floating, less weather-dependent, um, you know, doesn't get that much colder. If you're if, in if, California. If you're, if you're in a part of the world where your Christmas playlist does not include Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Because, you know, because you're impossible. Yes. Or at least improbable. Then this is for you. This is for you. You get a little break. Because Christmas, I imagine, is harder to get into in warmer parts of the world. Mm -hmm. You, every year, get to begin Christmas on November the 1st. No. No. Yes, November the 1st. Because that inertia takes longer to build when you're listening to songs about snow and there's no damn snow on the ground. Have a heart, Slapichka. Okay. Number one, it ain't even Halloween yet. Okay? Yeah. Uh It's, It's not. It's not. We need to at least... Protect the illusion that it's going to be a spooky night of fun for kids, and then we can start worrying about Christmas on November 1st, which we actually shouldn't do because there is still thanks mother hecking giving. Oh my god. Oh my god. Why can two holidays not exist at the same time? Are you telling me we can't sell it? Dude, this happens all the time in the rest of the year, and nobody bats an eye. Do you know how many holidays fall around Easter? We're still allowed to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, even though it's Easter season. Okay, but St. Patrick's Day is a holiday that really only means anything if you're kind of Irish and you like getting... That's not remotely true. If you like booze, St. Patrick's Day is for you. And I say this as an Irish person. But you don't need, you know, a month of hype to get ready to... All of March is hype for St. Patrick's Day. March has a two-week period of hype known as March Madness, and that's the only thing I will acknowledge. Yeah, which is also allowed during Christmas and St. Patrick's Day. Holidays cross over each other all the time. Part of being a multi-sectional, multicultural nation is the idea that we can celebrate more than one thing at a time. Are we not allowed to celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah at the same time? Huh? Huh? Do you get one or the other? Do you get one or the other? What was my point I was going to make? Oh, yeah. This yeah. Is, we, we don't get school off for St. Patrick's Day. No, St. Patrick's Day is a cool deal. Right. It's, you it's know what cool else holiday. we don't get school off for? Thanksgiving. Yes, we do. Halloween. We, we get a fall break. We get a fall what? break. A fall break was a week ago. Are you going to call that Halloween break? No. I'm Halloween not, break comes I'm halfway through October. I'm Thanksgiving break. You know? Okay. Yeah. You get school off for Thanksgiving. Yes, that was you don't my get point. two weeks of school off like it is for Christmas. Christmas That's because there's also New Year's. Christmas is the Liverpool of holidays, okay? I, I agree that Christmas is Thanksgiving alpha. Thanksgiving is the Watford. Halloween is the AFC Wimbledon. Okay, Thanksgiving is something that you need time to prep for because you need to go home and eat food with your family, and then you need the weekend to be like, oh, I ate too much, and then you can go back to being functional. And then once you go back to being functional, you still have a month. You have 20 Five days. You can buy an advent calendar to get yourself hyped for Christmas. 25 days should be plenty of time to get hyped for this. And then after that, no. your, your inertia... No, not enough. Yes, not it, nearly enough. Not enough. Not 
nearly enough. Christmas music is not that good where I need to experience it for two full months. That's frankly untrue. There are whole genres and subgenres within genres of Christmas music. Some of the best music ever made is Christmas music. One of the best albums of all time, indisputably. Is the is... Veggie Tales Christmas? No. 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 <laughs> don't don't mess with serious issues. One of the most important issues one of the most important uh, Why are we looking over there? What? Why why did we just look over there all of a sudden? I don't know, but you were looking over there, so I was looking over there. Did uh, something happen? Oh uh, no, continue. Did something happen? No. I okay. Was, I was just I thought I, I thought that trash bag was like someone's hat, and I'm like, oh, is there a person in that room? And no, it's a trash bag that looks like a hat. Criminy. <laughs> anyway, no, it's it's the Phil Spector's A Very Happy Christmas to You Merry Christmas album of Christmas. It's such a great album. Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, like, like Christmas songs are all fine and dandy. They're but, great. But there's I like, listened to them on the way over. There's Tony like Bennett. around... 50 to 60 songs. Andy Williams. Which, which, which I will admit are like... Nat King Cole. Yeah, I will, listen to, I will listen to these during the holiday season. But I will listen to them like, what, five times max? And then for, what? for like 50 songs and five times max, uh, max, that gives me 25 days to enjoy those songs in my regular rotation. And I oh, think that's what? plenty of time. Listen, I celebrate. Time. I celebrate Christmas pretty much every year from the first snow on, which is almost always at the end of October. If it's ridiculous, there are years in which I'll personally hold off but allow other people to, like, experience Christmas. <laughs> I, listen, man, the whole movie, White Christmas, which is one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. One of the greatest things that's ever been made and recorded in human history is the film White Christmas. One of the large points is that the weather... And that people's spirits before have almost nothing to do with Christmas. Christmas is a state of mind, right? Yes. Christmas is more of a feeling than anything. It is a There's good a little feeling. bit of Christmas that lives in all of us. Justin, why? Would because you... I like, hear me out. I like a November feeling, which is separate from a Christmas feeling. No! I, I, what is a November feeling? I like the fall air. I, I like was... the cold weather football. I like That's October feeling. You're talking about October feeling. Global well, warming notwithstanding, you're talking about October feeling. Well, November is when it starts to really mean stuff when it comes to just football. When it starts to really, like, yeah, start to actually get that cold. And still be getting oh. excited for Christmas at the same time. Well, you can, but I like to fully immerse myself in that feeling. It's a really good feeling. You know, the, wait, only, wait. the only Christmas I will on Thanksgiving is the Santa Claus on the Coke bottle, okay? That's that's how I like my Thanksgiving. I like, no. to, f I like to revel myself in November. Something I about like Thanksgiving this is so much more fun because you know you're going to see your relatives and family members and get to celebrate all over again in a month. Less than a month. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. We literally, the biggest shopping holiday... Is the following we can just deconstruct Black Friday and its meaning some other time because I think that it's like, uh, you know, it's fascinating. Yes. But like, obviously, you have to start thinking about Christmas earlier because you got to start thinking, what am I going to make people for Christmas, huh? Or what am I going to get people? And is twenty-five days not enough? For Absolutely that? not. To get all of your shopping done, to get all of your decorating done, you can get that done in two weeks. I was born on November seventeenth. Right? Yes. This is, this, this is why it matters to me. I desperately want 
to be able to say, I have a Christmas birthday. And this is something... No, you don't. I absolutely this have a Christmas for season Christmas birthday. And your birthday. No one wants that. What? No one wants someone who gets gifts for that count for both Christmas and their birthday. That's that's how I define Christmas birthday. Oh no, okay, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's not even that's not yeah. Even so that's what Christmas case. birthday means to me. Like you have a fall birthday. Fall is a fun feeling. You don't. We don't need to completely gloss over no, I, fall like the Nebraska weather does. We, we, we can we can glossing. give ourselves an illusion of fall and fully revel in that, and then still have twenty five days to celebrate Christmas. How is that not plenty of now, time? Here's something I think we can agree on. Okay, people. Who, okay, I find this mostly among ultra-conservative Catholics. Mm-hmm. People who refuse to stop celebrating Christmas until not just the 12th day of Christmas. Oh, until the but epiphany. epiphany. What? What do you mean? We had this huge secular hype show that you were like, I'm too good for the secular hype show of Christmas. <laughs> what I need now is to be like so sweetly calming my heart for the lord baby jesus child to return as he does every year on the 25th and it's like fine if that's how you want to celebrate christmas you go with jesus christmas there's a lot of cool shit about jesus christmas that i feel like as someone who's definitely transitioned out of jesus christmas into solely celebrating secular christmas uh other than the requisite church on Church on Christmas, which yeah. is basically secular Christmas at this point. Um, <laughs> but know. that's a talk for a different time. Yeah, exactly. But, like, that's that's all well and good. You do you in that regard. But to continue, after we are all taken down our secular Christmas trees and implying that now it is, an appro- it is appropriate for you to watch Frosty the Snowman and freak out. Like, moving the goalposts on when... People get Mm -hmm. to feel joy is just the most thing in the world, which is why. And I honestly say, like, I think that people who do believe that you should celebrate Christmas fairly early, like myself, I believe that we should tone down a little bit until the full swing. Because I, too, despise the whole, like... Oh. oh my god, it's September, I walk into Hobby Lobby and I am assaulted Thank by you. peppermint flavored bull. Like, that's too much. Okay. But if I want to start I feel, I feel feeling... Like I, I can pull you back to my area. That, oh, that we're, me... we're doing the whole sitcom kind of like okay. come together at the end here, right? Okay. But if I want to feel Christmas in my heart, if I want to put decorations up in my home, if I'm not going to force everyone else, like it's too early for the lights. I will agree. It's... There's going to be nice days in November. If you want to put your lights up before Thanksgiving, I am not opposed. I get that weather is fickle, you know? Yeah, lights always went up on my birthday. Yeah. Uh, unless the weather was terrible on my birthday. Yeah. But, like, that's a memory I have of, like... Yeah. And, the well, so... That's as far as I'll go into allowing the... the you, can, you can start to brain think ideas, but just... A, like, you don't need two months of wind-up. You... D- 25 days should be enough lineup. Just enjoy what's outside right now. and Enjoy the food. Enjoy the family. And then as, as soon as, like, Black Friday is over, you're like, uh, there's nothing. Everything that's happened is behind me. Now I can start to do it. I think it's more. I think I, it's I, I think cool it, if you ramp up. 
in yeah. my mind. Yeah, you need to scale yourself up. Like, if you if you peak around, you know, before Thanksgiving, you're not going to enjoy anything about Thanksgiving. Then you're going to be super stressed on Black Friday. And then when Christmas comes around, you're almost so glad that it's over because you've worked up so much for it. This is fair. You need to moderate from this. And I believe that's our middle ground. And before I go, Nick is wrong, and You Belong With Me is better than our song. God damn it. <laughs>